Hello and welcome to another episode of 66 Deep. In this episode we're just going to be tying up the loose ends on Are You Ready For The End Eschatology Edition. Again, I do apologise for the informalness of the conversation and it not being very organised or comprehensive. I think maybe somewhere down the line a more structured conversation or a study of some sort might be more beneficial. Um, but it might be just something to listen to as you do something, um, just to have it in the background and something just to keep in mind depend, um, depending on your views on scripture and things like that. So um, yeah, without any further ado, let's hop into this mess of me babbling for nearly 50 odd minutes. 53 again, Isaiah 53, where I, well not again, Isaiah. Isaiah 53. Um, yeah, I can't remember what I'm looking for. Who has, who has believed what we have heard, and whom has the Lord uh, has the arm of the Lord revealed? He grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He didn't have an impressive form or majesty that we should um, look at him. So essentially, he's, he's the Isaiah is fleshing out. Um, I think it sounds different in the King James version, which is why it sounds so alien here. But he's saying that like um, it was even mentioned on Sunday. You know, Jesus when he came, he wasn't this you know overly handsome guy who you know women would just fall for in this day and age. He was just like he was a very uncommonly man, like. You would pass him in the streets without thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah he, um, he didn't have any impressive form or majesty that we should look at him, no appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, um, a man suffering who knew that sickness was, who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from he was despised we didn't value him yet he himself bore our sickness and carried our pains but we we in turn regarding him stricken struck down by god afflicted but he was pierced he was pierced because of our rebellions and he was crushed because of our iniquities punishment for our peace was on him and by and we are healed by his wounds and I should also point out that um, when he says we're healed by his wounds, he's not talking about like physically healed. It's a spiritual healing there because sickness is a byproduct of sin, but not sin itself. So Jesus didn't come to die for sickness. He came to die for sin. I just put the point because people do use that to say that, you know, Jesus died to make us well and that sort of health, wealth and prosperity things. Um, uh, like street, like street, we all went away astray like sheep. And we all have turned away, uh, turned on our own way, and the Lord has punished, and punished him, for the iniquity of us all. Um, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb led to the slaughter, like a sheep silent before the shearers. He did not open his mouth. Um, he was taken away because of the oppression and judgment, and who considered his fate? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. He was assigned a grave 
with the wicked, but he was with a rich man at his death because he had not done violence. He had done no violence and had not spoken deceitfully. Uh, yet the Lord will, the Lord was pleased to crush him severely when you make him a guilt offering. He will see his head and prolong his days, and by his hand the Lord's pleasure will be accomplished. And after his anguish he will see the light and be satisfied. By his knowledge my righteousness, my righteous servant will justify many. He will carry their iniquities, therefore I will give him the many as a portion, and he will receive the mighty as spoil because he submitted to death and was counted among the rebels, yet he bore the sin of many. He interceded for the rebels. Um, so obviously this is laying out essentially what we see in the New Testament, that Jesus comes, he's rejected by those who, um, those who God had chosen to be his chosen nation and gave everything to. Um, we do see through the course of biblical history how despite the fact that Jesus, despite the fact that God had chosen Israel as that mighty nation that he wanted to, well, chose them as that nation he wanted to, um, to be the one that he chose um, for his delight, they consistently, um, consistently fail, consistently fail, consistently fail as you know, all sinners do. I think it's like even, even before jumping into, um, like, yeah, the fact that, like, Jews think that, oh, you know, Jesus hasn't come yet, was it? but he did come because the, the Old Testament that you have says that somebody will come with, um, and to be fair, it's not all Jews. There's some Jews that genuinely do believe that he's come and they see it from Scripture, from the Old Testament, that we wouldn't even need the New Testament to know because, you know, it's all laid out there. But just like specifically with this one, somebody's going to come in the midst of you, backed up by, um, by Daniel um, and other prophets, that um, someone, the Messiah is going to come within your midst. He's not going to be anyone spectacular. He's not going to come in a spectacular fashion. He's going to humble himself. He's going to come as a man. He's born in a stable. Not a sight to look at. Um, you will despise him. You will kill him. He will be cut off from the land of the living. But it's all within the sovereign will of God that he be killed for the punishment for the sins of all people as a lamb to the slaughter. So they would, the Jews would understand that because obviously they do animal sacrifices as atonement for their own sins. Um, that either once and for all sacrifice for all men or all those who um, he draws to himself. Um, but or, or the God draws to Jesus to be saved and then has the Holy Spirit dwell within them. And that everything will be set up from then, but then you see how, um, you yeah, like the fact that these, you know, ultimately rejected by the, um, the, 
<sighs> but these lights, like the one thing that I hadn't even noticed until reading like Leviticus, um, well, two things really, because we we're studying it, uh, I think it's just like, you know, all sin requires a blood sacrifice, you know, blood has to be spilled for all of our sins, essentially, like ludicrous. <laughs> Leviticus <laughs> lays it out quite clearly. Um, but there was, there's one reference there that I hadn't taken notice of until I saw it, because you hear it, well, you only hear it, I believe it's once in the New Testament. Um, but let, uh, Jesus says, uh, God says something, I can't remember what it's a reference to, but if a person does something wrong to this extent, let his blood be upon him. So um, essentially like that person will be judged for whatever reason. Um, and the reason why I will I'll explain this, and I'll say this now, but then obviously I can go to Revelation to back it up. Um, when Jesus is in the midst of Pilate, like he remains um, quite up until that point, you know, um, understanding it from Jewish law and the way that God sees it is that um, you are innocent until proven guilty. So if you are innocent, you don't have to make a defense for yourself to prove that you're innocent. You can just stand there silent and those around you will have to convince those around you in court that you are guilty. That's why Jesus didn't say a word at all. He only opens up his mouth when talking to Pilate in regards to um, who he was. Um, and even Pilate, like flippantly, you know, throws it off. But then it's when he's like, oh, you know, at this point in the in time, you know, we can let uh, one of the prisoners go. So you can either choose Barabbas or you can choose Jesus. And they said, no, we'll choose Barabbas. So it's like, oh, um, but, you know, Jesus has done, done no wrong. It's like, no, we'll take Barabbas, take Barabbas. It's like, well, you know, I wash my hands of um, of anything to do with this. This, you know, I'm not going to be one that's held accountable for um, what happens to Jesus. And it's, it, it, sends, it sent a chill down my spine once I understood the, the Old Testament um, context of it all, because the, the Jewish people respond let his blood be up. No, we have no king. It's like, oh, no, do you want your king to say we have no king but Caesar? That would be very offensive in the eyes of God. And then it, they also say, it's like, oh, you know, I wash my hands off. It's like, no, let his blood be upon us. Oh, no, let the yeah, blood be upon us and our children. That's disturbing. That's disturbing. It's really, really disturbing. And then it's even like, I think it's, it's I don't think it's in John. It might be in John or in Mark, where Jesus goes up this um, up the Mount of Olives, which he tends to do quite frequently. Um, but it's interesting how Jesus does the same. Th well, I guess he's God, so um, I think there was a point where um, it, it might have been. I guess you guys might know the Old Testament more than I do, um, where the presence of um, the presence of God leaves the temple. The first temple, I believe, and it leaves Jerusalem and it goes coming either east or west, but it leaves and goes in a particular direction and it rests on the Mount of Olives. Now Jesus also goes up the Mount of Olives and in Mark's 
You see the remarks or John's account, he announces a judgment. He weeps first, he weeps for Jerusalem, and then he announces judgment on Jerusalem. And then you see, like again in Matthew 24, it's called like the Oliver Discourse. So they've gone up the uh, Mount of Olives. They've already discussed everything to do with the temple. And then Jesus says, the temple is going to be destroyed. Like historically, this happened in 70 AD. And um, like you don't see, again, you don't see it in scripture, but you see it in human history. It was like one of the most, um, probably like one of the most darkest things in, um, in human history that ever, um, ever really took place. It's, um, you have someone called Josephus who, um, who made accounts things that happened at that point and i've got the book upstairs but even just like the fact that what happened at the destruction of jerusalem was so dire like um like the well no well I'd, i guess i'd have to go to um revelation because i guess i'm doing it off the top of my head um with regards to the prostitute and the beast I guess um, understanding revelation from the amillennial slash postmillennial view. On a major thing, um, you might have to change is as to when that might have been written. So we would argue that um, revelation was written before the destruction of um, of Jerusalem because it's written by John, and there's some other factors to it as well. But with regards to um, prostitute and the beast, um, how the when Paul Paul <laughs> when John envisions the um, envisions the prostitute, says it's out in the wilderness. Um, it's interesting that they're out in the wilderness. You have got this prostitute who's dressed in um, in colours of, oh, I'm going to have to find it now. I don't know if you, you know, either one you want to chime in or ask questions or to, you know, critique or anything, because I don't want to continue waffling on. So your mic is off, but I don't know who. Oh, okay, mic's back on. Yeah, I just think um, there's a lot of good things that you've um, mentioned, and I think there's a lot of uh, subtopics in there. But uh, what what I find uh, fascinating is you are using you, you are backing up scripture, and you're using scripture to interpret scripture because I think even though that's an obvious thing using scripture to interpret scripture i think it it helps the bible make uh, sense so oh, yeah, you're, going yeah. Back, you're going back to context aren't you context of yeah, the yeah, time. yeah yeah totally yeah 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 because it's context. it's again yeah it's that it's that um trying to guard myself from error by um reading into reading like my own 21st century like worldview and things into the scriptures and distorting it because I, again, I want to kind of arrive at the same understanding of those who would have received 
those letters or manuscripts and stuff. So it's um, that's like it's a it's a, it was a major major bog. And then to be fair, it was a good place for me to exercise the the new way of interpreting scripture. So having access to the fact like things like lexicon, so you can understand the yeah. um, the original language and things like that. Um, like the fact that it has an historical, a human, uh, it has a, st- a stamp, a stamp in human history that you can refer to. Um, I still believe in like sort of scriptura, but um, you use other things that can support or give a better idea as to what was going on at that time. So um, it's it's an interesting one because. I guess like with especially like with me and Ella growing up, we grew up with, you know, things like Left Behind. I even I have found <laughs> found one of the books of Left Behind in the garage, yeah. um, uh, to do with the Antichrist. I actually, remember I think it might be it might belong to Gary, you know, Gary Fleming. I might have to uh, give that back. But I found that I was like it brings back so many memories as to you know the things are trying to work out, and I even at this point was thinking like, well. What if I killed the Antichrist? If I killed the Antichrist, you know, was this just such a such a, you know, would it change whatever, whatever? So it's just like um, understanding now, like I, it's allowed me to be consistent with how I look through the Bible, but then also um, it has helped transform my spiritual walk with Christ. Because now, you know, God is speaking to me through his word rather than me trying to work out what he's trying to say. Uh, but it's also happened with things like discernment and things like that as well. So when people use things out of context, like um, I am doing Sunday school. I'm doing Sunday school this week. I'm doing this will be my last Sunday. But um, I were, I'm doing it on the Beatitudes at the moment. So I thought I'd, because it's placed in one, um, one of the, it's placed in Matthew. Uh, but I'll try to find out where the same, you know, blessed did the poor in spirit and all that sort of stuff with the Sermon on the Mount, yeah. essentially. I was like, well, there should be another account for this, really, shouldn't there? So I found it, um, found it in, uh, I wonder, is it Mark? Oh, my, my book's upstairs where I'm making the notes. I believe it's Mark. Um, so I was like cross-referencing the two and... I, like, I kid you not, it's quite scary how you pick certain things up. And I think, I don't know whether, oh, Jay, you might be able to um, think it. I think it's, uh, I don't think it's John. Mark. I can't remember. Is it Luke? No, I think it's Luke. I want to say Luke 26. Um, essentially, like, if I were to, oh, actually, I'm not that far away. No, I mean Luke 26, Luke 13. I can't remember. But, um, yeah. Do you know the scripture where it says, uh, give what will come back to you? And we used to sing this as a song in thingy. I don't know if other churches yeah. do it now, but give and it will come back to you, press down, check it together and rolling over. Yeah, yeah, I remember the song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, okay, okay. Um, like you, generally when I heard that, like you interpret it as, you know, give your financial resources and, you know, those things will come back to you. And I came across that today. And was, uh, or was it yes, last night? And I was reading through it. I was like, oh, okay. So he talks about, you know, um, like give forgiveness and give mercy and etc. And then it's like, oh, and give and it will come back to you and give press down. And you hear the song in your head and you interpret that as, oh, yes, talking about money. I was like, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Uh, let me just go back again. So he talks about forgiveness and mercy 
And then he goes on to say, um, given it will come back to you, press down, shaking together, rolling over. So he's not talking about money there at all. He's actually talking about mercy and forgiveness. If you give mercy, it will come back to you. And like I understood it from the gospel senses, then oh, if you can't forgive your brother, then you can't, then you obviously don't understand how you've been forgiven through the atonement of death, uh, the, the, the death and the atonement of Jesus Christ. And it's just like, whoa, like that's a, that's a, you know, a, tr a traditional landmine that I've just stepped on. I've not even noticed. So my interpretation, like the way I'm interpreting scripture, had flicked miles away from what was going on in scripture in just that one verse. So it's like it kind of keeps me, um, kind of keeps me uh, in check with things like that. But I thought that was very interesting. I might bring that up on Sunday, or might not, because it, you know, it's it might get rubbed up the wrong way. But um, I thought that was rather interesting with regards to like uh, learning how to interpret scripture faithfully, so then you can get yes. uh, a very consistent. Thing. And then you can check to see whether your results are correct. And if it's consistent with what everybody else is generally saying, then yeah, okay, it's great. Um, I thought that was, I, 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 but I noticed it more so with trying to work through um, this topic in particular, because um, uh, when I heard certain parts, I thought, no, 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 that can't be right, that can't be right. And then I literally just like, um, already heard certain bits on how to do this thing. So you know what, I'll see if I can prove this guy wrong. So it's like, okay, so these are the things I've got. Okay, um, I will just sit down literally just study my Bible. I know that I have access to things now so I can prove this guy wrong. So going through, going through, going through, it's like, oh, okay, that word means this. Okay, then it's like, oh, okay, he's right about that. Okay, okay, words right now, but you can't be, so you go through and then it's like, okay, well, I'll look at this in context or I'll look, I'll look at this first. Okay, I'll look at the chapter. If I look at the chapter, I'm gonna have to look at the book. And that's, um, I don't know if you guys have, there's a particular Bible um, app where it has like the little three dots next to each one. So you can find out where that thing is referring to. So now like where it says like, oh, you know, like the prophet Joel, um, like it was prophesied by the prophet Joel. Like he said, you would naturally go to mm -hmm. the book of Joel to go and find out specifically what that person was saying. So it's little things like that. Yeah. That you begin to pick up. But, um, like yeah, this this one was the the, the true mind bender for me, and it, it, like eschatology is a it's one of those things where you can find your root and your groove, but you should always have like a door open so um, in case you know you find out that oh, okay maybe it's not consistent, I can switch to the other one. Um, so as much as like I hold on to this one because I just find it um, scripturally consistent. At this present point, and I have tried to see if I can find um, holes in it. And uh, the only thing I could say is like it's yeah because it's not a, a view held prominently within um, Christianity in the Western culture today. It seems seems more difficult, but then it's just like well, if you are exegeting the scriptures it seems to carry a lot of weight to this thing of, you know, maybe this particular scripture isn't necessarily, like Matthew 24 is not talking about the end of the world, it's talking about the end of the um, Messianic or the Jewish age, because we don't go to temples, we don't go to synagogues, 
but um, the Jews did. So little things like that. Says okay, in this context, I could see why it would be bone drawing for them, but wouldn't necessarily make sense for us. But then I guess the things mm-hmm. are you know you might be looking for another temple to be built but then that brings further questions because there's some people who generally do believe in christendom that will go back to animal sacrifices mm-hmm. but that's like kind of like it feels like almost like the logical end it's like well that would not make sense because if you go back to that then what does jesus mean to you sort of thing um but again i've massively digressed <laughs> i've massively massively digressed um but with Daniel, uh, just that point, the 70 weeks, that was the end of the, um, I can't think of the right word, but that was the end of, uh, that was a prophecy, mm-hmm. uh, the 70 the seventy weeks, which is still actually, um, well, from the preacher point of view, that still hasn't finished. Um, there was a big, uh, they, they say like a time, a time gap. So 70 weeks, 490 years, and they kind of do some maths. But obviously there was a time gap between when Christ uh, uh, had left earth in the bodily form and returned to heaven. And then when he, um, the stop gap is between there and when he, and when he comes back, uh, they believe. But going back to the, the uh, um, when, he, when he comes back, um, uh, the great um, in the rapture, and then obviously the, and then after that you've got uh, not long after that, down after the seven years you've got the um, uh, the, the rain, and then you've got the uh, the, the, the the final uh, judgment after the uh, Christ Christ reign, and then you've also got in between there the the, um, the battle of uh, Gog and Magog. So that's a, that's another prophecy. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of other prophecies, but the uh, I think what what I was trying to say is going back to the book of the Bible, Daniel. Um, it's referenced in Matthew. Obviously, the book of Daniel is older than Matthew. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book of Matthew uh, in the New Testament. So uh, obviously, certain things would have been uh, fulfilled already, but the seventy. Um, the abomination of desolation that's what I'm trying to say the abomination of desolation set up in the temple um, that's that's spoken about in Matthew but what I'm trying to say is we have to go you have to go back into Daniel as you said because Daniel, Matthew and Revelation and there's other scriptures there's a lot of um, like you've got to do a lot of comparing and contrasting because they meet on they talk about similar mm-hmm. uh, similar points like you said about the synaptic uh, gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John is different mm-hmm. versions of of uh, what Christ is, uh, their perspective of what Christ is saying, and they're not wrong. It's just to give it more, um, to make the message of, to make the gospel message more clearer, really, mm-hmm. uh, for 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 us, the everyday person. Uh, but. Um, there's still prophecies that are still yet to be fulfilled, uh, like in Daniel, where God says uh, about Michael. He says uh, um, the angel says to him, "To um, I think it's Daniel twelve, and he says uh, about sealing up the book." 
so certain things God will not like in Daniel certain things have not been off for the end so he tells Daniel to to not to not kind of write or say any more on it because it's that's to happen in the end of time we're not there's certain things that we're not supposed to know yet mm-hmm. we're not we're not going to know everything there's certain things we cannot know what 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 is the sureties is that Christ has been on earth like you've said in Isaiah and many other scriptural references he returned to heaven he is still like he is still reigning despite what is going on in planet earth or in the heavenlies and he will return again and there will be a final judgment and there will be a lot of things happening in in between um but not everyone knows not every lay person not every christian knows all the things that are going to happen in what in what order i don't think that will um determine whether they go to heaven or hell whether they know or not i don't think it's based on that but i think uh, personally i think you know if they've accepted christ as you've said that's the most important thing and then they come to the knowledge whatever's revealed to them because they're not oh, going to yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's going to be different for everybody isn't it because yeah, some no, might agree, yeah. Um, yeah i and i probably hate this <laughs> not only because that's it because yeah. I think but like yeah. eschatology is it can well it can be put down as a non-essential okay so it's yes. it's, it's yeah. not yeah it's not salvific it doesn't um, you know it's got nothing that's bearing on the you know the divinity of Christ or the understanding of the trinity and things like that so it's yeah. it's yeah it's not something that you would you know, shout anathema, you're not a Christian at someone over. Yeah. But it does it does um it does actually affect how you live your life. Yeah for sure. Yeah. Um, yes. So it's like like I do see like how um like especially with me and Ella growing up when um when Japan had a great earthquake. Which I was like, oh, yeah. you know, is this the end? And that's probably like going, I want to say, remember like 17, maybe 18 years ago, or might be less than that, I don't know, maybe 15 ish. Yeah. Less than that. We just say, oh, you know, is the end coming? Because, you know, you've got these great floods and stuff like that. It's like, oh, you know, is the end coming? Is the end coming? But, you know, we've gone so many years on since then. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's it's one of those things where, even though we should certainly be waiting for the return of Christ. That's something that everybody agrees on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just whether that shift has kind of changed for me. It's just like, well, I don't need to work out when he's coming back. I just need to yeah. do what his will is while I'm here until that day comes. And I guess like the post-millennial view has, although the millennial view, whichever one it is, um, kind of gives me that resolution as to I know that Jesus is reigning now so and he's you know gathering everything um, all his enemies under his feet um, all his enemies under his feet as a footstool yes so yeah. um, like it's even like things like um, you see things like the Jesus has been tempted into wilderness um, differently so 
um, from Matthew's gospel, you see how um, Jesus is tempted with many different things. Oh, you know, if you really are the Son of God, do such and such and do whatever and do whatever. And it's, you know, it's a war of scripture, as I've discovered, because there's a lot of quotes to do with um, like Psalms and Deuteronomy, I believe, and other sorts of ones. And I think even that in itself is a great, um, a great um, Bible study in regards to like how Christians should be deeply um, rooted in scripture. So then they can like discern when someone is using it to try and trip somebody up. But even like with that aside, um, it's like one of the very fast things that um, Satan um, decides in from um, Thingy's viewpoint, Matthew's viewpoint is that he says, oh, you know, I'll give you all the kingdoms that um, essentially I own. <clears throat> you can have them all. You just have to bow down, bow down to me and worship me. So I'll give you all the authority over these kingdoms. But he says, you know, um, like get behind me, Satan. Or in Thingy's one, I um, can't remember who's synoptic to you, he uses, but he says, oh, you know, um, no, I should serve no gods but the Lord. But then he goes to the cross, he dies, he's resurrected, and he goes to his disciples. He's like, all power and authority has been given unto me. Therefore, go out and make disciples of all nations and, you know, teach them in the ways of Christ, etc., etc., etc. It's just like, well, from Matthew's perspective, that was the last ditch effort that he had Yes. with Jesus. He's like, no, why bow to you where there's a greater thing I can accomplish and I'll get what I've come for anyway? And then from the understanding of that, it's just like, well, um, you know, God's kingdom is here, but not yet. Yes. But understanding that, you know, Jesus was saying, you know, the kingdom of God is in your midst, just like um, it's mentioned in Daniel um, with regards to like the, the storm being cut from the mountain and crushing this, um, crushing this statue. Uh, the last one, I believe, um, the last bit, Selling it to be um, Jerusalem and Rome combined because it's iron and clay, or like reformed Rome. One yeah. or two people say um, that's crushed, but then this kingdom can never be overthrown. Jesus has the authority to say, "Go out into all the nation, make disciples," and you, you can, and you see that in the Book of Acts, like they. Um, Obviously, the day of Pentecost comes, uh, everyone, um, all the Jews have come from all different places in the world. And, um, oh, there was something significant about the day of Pentecost preceding the day of Pentecost uh, that I forgot about. I can't remember, but it's, there's something even more significant about what was going on there that I, that I came to, well, I heard about this week, I've totally forgotten about but um, yeah, everyone from all the Jews from different nations are there. And then obviously the Holy Spirit descends on them. Um, they speak in different, um, different languages so that the, the Jews there understand in their own tongues, as it says in, um, in Acts 2. And then from then, you know, they're preaching to Jews only, just like Jesus did. Um, that's another thing that would kind of bent my head was just like, Jesus did all these things amongst the Jews, that's fine. But there was one instance where um, there was this woman pleading with Jesus. It's like, oh, you know, can you do such and such? It's like, oh, do you not know um, that we don't feed the dogs? 
something like that. And dogs is something that's generally used within the German German. Goodness me. The Jewish community, with regards um, when referring to Gentiles, they would call them dogs because they consider them like unclean and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, they said, oh, but you know, but she responds, oh, even, but even puppies get um, get crumbs off the children's table. And then Jesus is like, okay, you know what? Because you understand, I will, in this instance, give you what you desire. But ultimately, you came to the Jews. Because it's like, you know, you've had all the literature, you've had all the ceremonial stuff and all that to point towards me coming. So now I'm coming with power, signs and wonders to let you know that the Messiah is here. I've even sent my apostles out to let you know that these people um, are sent from me with the message for the atonement of what I um, would, will or would uh, will or have done on the cross, depending on what side of the um, cross on the chronological scale you're talking, then um, yet again, I've lost my train of thought. It's <laughs> happening to you regularly. Um, yeah, 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 you see how that works. But then it's like, um, yes. you know, day of Pentecost happens. That happens with just the Jews. Then Peter's given visions about unclean animals that you suppose that you know God's trying to teach you know eat these eat these oh but you know we don't eat things that are unclean and obviously he's made privy to Cornelius who is considered um, if I believe rightly God fearers yeah. that time so they're they're not they're not Jews um, but they're people who fear God so. Um, Obviously, he's praying to and um, praying, and an angel appears to him, saying that there's a somebody in Jerusalem has a message for you. Goes with the gospel, they have a similar experience to the Jews on Pentecost. He goes to the disciples to say that you know, I now understand that God isn't just, um, you know, saving us. He's also saving those who we um, we regard as outside of us. So he goes to God for years. I think he goes to um Sumerians as well because he says that, oh they they caught word that the um they were made privy of the fact that the word of God was um manifesting over there as well so they go they go to that area to disciple them also and then um obviously Paul comes on the scene um and he's working in very gentile areas so the spirit descends on disciples to also go out and talk specific areas where there are also people who don't speak those languages so then they can spread the gospel even further there as well and yeah. like even like that, that even lines up perfectly with I'm going all over the place let's say if I were to go to like Matthew 24 I could argue if my phone decides to turn on there we go that um like if you were to because there's this thing of um, atheists believe that um, based off Matthew 24 that Jesus is a false prophet so if it's a case where you're saying that these things are future and it seems like a very loaded argument to be fair because it only seems to swing in favour of one um, but if to say that these things are to happen then Jesus falls off because there's many people who have you know tried to predict that this was happening um, this was 
if this happens in the future, then either one who's made the wrong decisions is essentially putting the, giving a black eye to Christ in the sense of, well, if this is a future thing, people haven't worked it out. And so, well, you know, it might be this day, might be this day, might be this day, might be this day, and might be this, and it continues going on. They, they would assume, and it's apparently one of the chestnut arguments that um, can be uh, they use to undermine in debates and stuff is, oh, well, you know, Jesus is a false prophet because of Matthew 24. It's just, well, if you were to walk through Matthew 24, you might actually find that there's a lot of, even though Jesus says um, he doesn't know when his time is coming, there's enough in hindsight to show that what he says was actually happening to a T, not only in the Bible, but also in human history. So I'll move, I will leave the revelation thing for now, because that's a... Um, Probably another thing to get back to. If we go back to Matthew 24, I would say at least from, I can show you how I would um, exercise this one. So if I go Matthew 24, Matthew 24, there we go. That's the first one. Um, so we already discussed about the temple that being destroyed. Truly, um, I'll say, yeah, there will be not, not one stone left upon it. Um, don't, not, not one stone that we left upon that will not be thrown down. It's on the Mount of Olives, again, sort of asking about these signs of the end of the age. You see that, like, like no man that you, that you um, can say, saying that I am the Christ. Um, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. And this is interesting um, from a historical point of view because, as we understand, they are in Jerusalem, but then who would be the who's the other presence in Jerusalem at this point? Mm -hmm. It would be the Romans. And they uh, essentially are acting as the, um, almost like the, the judicial, like they're the, when I use the word judicial, so like they're acting as the, um, essentially like the law and order in Jerusalem. So they're the ones that, you know, if you do something, they're the ones that are doing all the crucifixes and stuff like that. But um, with regards to them, um, they had something called the Pax Romano, which was the peace of Rome. So wherever they were dominating, they would assert that um, there will be a peace generally through force. So if you decided to use up them, they would turn on you essentially. Um, at this point, um, from the, the Jerusalem is still under this Pax Romano, so nothing badly is happening because if anybody were to try Muslim on Jerusalem, it'll be Rome that would, um, it'd be Rome that would, um, Muslim and take out that particular nation or whoever is doing that sort of thing. But then Jesus mentioned there'll be wars and rumors of wars. Like up until this point in Jewish history, there had been no problems at all. But then Jesus mentions that, oh, you know, you're here of wars, rumors of wars. And it's interesting how up until the destruction of Jerusalem, you see how this Pax Romana begins to deteriorate as, um, as history goes on. Um, much to the point of, um, you know, Jerusalem being laid waste by by the Romans, and that even that has um, consistent theological, it's consistent biblical thingies in regards to 
um, how God handled judgment. And that's kind of where we're coming from with regards to the coming of the Lord, because there are many instances in the Bible where, um, I think specifically with the, uh, the, you'll see in the book of the prophets, where either it's said explicitly or in the titles of the coming of the Lord, it's not a, come, a case of like coming to the, um, to end all things. It's a coming in judgment for disobedience with regards to the, the Jewish, um, Jewish nation. So you could, it's, um, it happened with say like the Assyrians, um, I can't remember which of the disciples, which of the, oh, which of the prophets mention it, but um, how the prophet says that this nation, this, um, this heathen nation is going to come, they're going to destroy such and such, they're going to do whatever, they're going to take these, they're going to kill you people, they're going to take them as captives or whatever, but then God is going to restrain them, he's going to pull them back. And then he's going to punish them for enacting out the will that they had. So it's like, you see this repeatedness of, um, uh, this repeatedness or this repetition of Jerusalem, follow God. Everything's great blessings. They fall away. There's curses. God uses a, 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 um, a nation to judge them. Then, um, Jerusalem repent the um that nation because it's like I guess like even like could use like Samuel where it's just like um after Eli doesn't um sort out his sons with their rebellion how a nation comes destroys Jerusalem well that yeah attacks Jerusalem um kill his sons and Eli dies and then they ransack Jerusalem and they take the Ark of the Covenant with them. That's sort of like the sort of judgment that goes on there. And um, it's this case of you've got this repeated thing of, oh, you know, um, I will send these people to do such and such. They repent. The people who have done that very same thing, um, we judged because um, essentially God has removed the restraint from them in his sovereignty to judge them. But then they're still accountable for that. So um they judge for whatever and there's just repeated thing through you generally see because um in case we go through daniel and you were to go through isaiah and they go through jeremiah i think i think chronologically they're in the same time period if i remember rightly um mm -hmm. so you hear them say like very similar things but with different nations and you know i will draw in a nation from the north to do such and such to you and whatever um that's quite evident in the uh in the Old Testament, which then, to so say like, when it comes back to Matthew 24, with regards to when we talk about, you know, the, the abomination of desolation, but then Luke translates it as when Jerusalem is surrounded by armies, it's like, well, that sounds like a judgment thing again. So it's like, well, when Jerusalem is surrounded by armies, those who are in Judea flee to the mountains because you'll be safe there. Because um, he's obviously given this warning to a particular people but then there's going to be those who will be left behind, who will be judged for whatever they've done. Um, I think I might be getting ahead of myself. So it's like, yeah, that's sort of like the Pax Morano essentially is the, the starting point for that. Um, then 
says, you know, don't be alarmed because these things will take place and for nature will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. There, you do see like in the book of Acts, there are famines that take place um, in particular places, which is interesting. And then um, earthquakes as well, I guess I could ask this question. Um, when, anywhere from this point onwards in the Bible, do you, do you recollect any earthquakes happening? In diverse places as well. If you can't think of the t uh, any off the top of your head, I could give you one. Mm. No. The death of Christ. Yeah, earthquakes. Yeah. There's one that happens there in a very unusual place. Um, I think there, but then they say like geographically within that time period, there was other earthquakes that happened outside of Jerusalem that were very unusual. Um, but I prefer to stick with the confines of scripture with this sort of thing. Um, uh, da, 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 where are we now? But this is all part of the, the thing. Is, oh yeah, and they will deliver you up for tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated among all the nations for my sake. Again, in the context, Jesus is talking to his disciples, so it's like, well, they will deliver you up for tribulation and put you to death. As much as we can draw stuff from that, because that this sort of thing happens now, he's talking specifically to them about this, and he says it's happened for my sake, and we know that for from historical record that all bar one of the Apostles, um, but I guess the last one I'm going to pay whether it was important um, word. Like they saw the testimony in blood with regards to what they did, so um, they were like martyrs for the gospel, and that's another thing that's used to um, as an apologetic. You could say that like if the gospel were a lie, people would generally back out. Like if we were, you know, amongst the three of us trying to. Mm -hmm. concoct something is like you know what we'll take this to the grave we'll take this to the grave and then it you know someone catches wind the catchers is like you know what tell us that you, either you tell us that what you did um what you did is um a lie or we'll kill you the chances are we're just going to back out say like, you know what because a lie is not worth dying for mm -hmm. we're going to tell the truth but then these guys didn't do that and they were very happy to right. to see themselves um have their you know themselves poured out for the sake of the gospel and um you know they don't, can't explain like the expansion of the church and things like that if you have reached it to this point then again i thank you very much for enduring this session um, you'll be very happy to know that we will be going back into the more brain sessions on Stephen Furtick. Uh, everything is, as a time of this recording, edited and uploaded in terms of part two. So that will come on Sunday. Uh, I just need to do the third part for that, but we're also going to be recording the physical part two session of that hopefully this week. Um, but I also want to use this as a chance just to, to throw that out there. Um, on April the 22nd we are going to be trying something different um, it's called the Crucible 
essentially um, what the idea is to have a arena where we can hash out different topics in a debate format and that is going to be viewable on hopefully live on YouTube and I will um, certainly try and get the links out in due course with regards to that um, but it's actually regarding a conversation we had at the well it was actually our very first episode on the doctrine of eternal security or once saved always save or the preservation that's perseverance of the saints um, it turns out that that one is uh, not quite done and dusted so I think it might be at least a good way to try out some new software but also to uh, try and put to bed this debate as to whether this doctrine is either false or whether it is actually consistent within scripture so that'll be something to look out for on the, the 22nd of April um, which is a Friday at 8pm which will be viewable not only on YouTube but then also through the new software called Riverside FM that we are using um, so the links for that will certainly drop in and be distributed not only uh, privately but also on our Instagram page 66deep.podcast um, that is left in the description below as well so I hope you can join us for those um, as we go through this interesting journey of all these different topics so um, until the next recording I shall see you in the next one so take care and have a very very good week god bless guys